This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Thank you very much. All right. I'm not going to point any fingers, but someone amongst us is watching Game 3 of the NBA Finals. So, I don't want to point fingers, especially, I wouldn't ever point him at the second row at somebody from Ohio, but I'm just saying, there might be someone, so. Okay, well, she gave herself away, I didn't, that's on you now, that's on you, it wasn't me. Okay, let's see, alright, okay, she gave, now when I was a little kid, I'm going to tell myself here, when I was a little kid, I mean, of course, I never missed church for anything, there, you know, especially being the pastor's son. So the one time that my team made it to the NBA Finals, uh, no, excuse me, they were, they were the Eastern Conference Finals, the Pacers versus the Bulls, it went to Game 7, and Game 7 fell on church night. And so we had one guy that was brave enough to sneak in a radio to the church and hide it in the men's bathroom. And so we would take turns rotating every few minutes to go to the bathroom that night, get an update, then come back to the service and tell the next guy and pass it on. And anyway, uh, I don't remember what the sermon was that night, but it was probably life-changing. And, hey, I'd probably be in much better shape if I had paid attention to the sermon that night. I mean, who knows where I'd be right now. But anyway, praise God for that. Well, um, tonight we're going to be talking about, uh, the title is this, Peace of mind and of heart. Peace of mind and of heart. Because I know this much, I like to have peace in my life. Is there anyone here where you could say, I've been through seasons where there was no peace? I'll tell you what, man, having the peace of God, that is priceless. There, money cannot buy the peace of God. There, I mean, I would rather have the peace of God than all the money in the world. I would rather have the peace of God in my life than anything else. Because to not have that is a sad and miserable existence. And, um, you know, we just got back from Nicaragua last night. I'm sure we'll have lots of stories and pictures to share and stuff like that. But I was thinking about this. And, you know, Cindy, Leanne, some of us, we went up uh, Monday... We went up into the jungle to go door-to-door witnessing. And by door-to-door, I mean shack-to-shack. Shack. You know, it's not, not very pretty. But as we're getting up there going house-to-house, house, you know, we're asking people, what, what, what is it that you need? What, what, what is it that we can pray for? Not a single one said that I need more money. Not a, not a single one said, I'd like to get out of this shack and get into a mansion. Not one of them, but I can't count how many said, I'm dealing with depression. I've, I am sad every day of my life. I, I need peace. I mean, I can't count how many said that. And as I'm looking at this, it, 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 you know, it dawns on me, wait a minute. These guys, how many people do I know in America that, that, that could say the same thing? Man, I don't care about a bigger house. I don't care if I get more money. I just wish I could, I could live this life and not feel so sad every day. I wish I could live this life and not be depressed and miserable. I, if I could have the peace of God. And I pray for people in the U.S. like that every week and in Nicaragua like that. And I'm like, man, people are the same everywhere, right? Am I right? You know, I mean, yeah, listen, we're we're the poorest one of us in here is filthy, stinking rich compared to the, the richest one down there. But the truth of the matter is this is we've all got the same needs. We've got the same desires. We want to see our children succeed and our children have a good life. And we want to have the peace of God. And so I know this, that peace doesn't come by having money or else there'd be a whole lot of peace in the United States. 
Uh, Peace doesn't come by having a nice house or perfect, safe surroundings. It doesn't come by that. Peace comes by having the presence of God in your life. And that's the only way to get it. And the sad thing is, is that we see people searching for peace in all the wrong places. If I could just get with, you know, if he would be my husband, I'd have peace. If she would be my wife, if if I, if I got that raised, that would, that would be it. I'd finally be there. Or if I could just move over here, listen, move, people think that moving is going to fix their problems. I found out that if you're the problem, listen, you're taking you with you. It's going to stink there too, because you're going. Now, if you could leave you here, it'd probably be okay when you got there, but you can't. And so moving is not going to give you peace. You've got to get this. There is only one way to get the peace of God, and that's by having the presence of God in your life. Can I get amen on that? I mean, that's the truth right there. The only way to have the peace of God is is to have his presence in your life. Let's look at John chapter 14, verse 27, New Living Translation. John 14, verse 27. This will be our opening verse tonight, our text. Amen. Everyone doing okay? All right. John 14, verse 27. And Jesus said this. I love this verse, man. I love this verse. John 14, verse 27. Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift. A whole bunch of money. No, I'm leaving you with a gift. No, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and of heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world can't give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. So Jesus said, I'm leaving you with this gift. It's peace of mind and of heart. And the gift, the peace that I give is something that the world can't give you. And listen to this. The world can't take it away when you've got the peace of God in your life. And so we're going to say three things about the peace of God tonight. And the title is peace of mind and heart. Number one is this, is that the world cannot give you peace. There is nothing in this world that can bring you peace. You may find temporary happiness. You may find a temporary uh, 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 break from your problems or your fears. But there is nothing in this natural world that can truly give you God's peace. Because God's peace is a gift that the world can't give. Jesus himself said it. The peace that I give you, the world can't give it to you. And they can't take it away. And so the truth is, the world, number one, they can't give you peace because they don't even know what it is. I know a whole lot of people that they think peace simply means that you don't have any danger around you. Like you're just you're in a safe zone. Listen, you could be in the safest place. You could be sitting on your couch at home tonight watching TV with no danger around you. But on the inside, you're a mess. You don't have any peace at all. Yet you could be in the middle of a war zone overseas with bullets and bombs going off. But on the inside, you're at peace because peace, I've heard this, consists not in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God. Peace doesn't mean there's no danger. It just means you have the presence of God in your life and the world. They can't give you the presence of God. Man, you kidding me? I know. Listen, have you ever gone to the club and got the the presence of you ever felt the presence of God up in the club? No, it's not there. 
I've never, you know, I've never been to a club, but anyway, if I did, I know the presence of God wouldn't be there. Can't go to the bar and get, you know, get, feel the spirit. I've never done that either, but you know, it's not there. They're trying to find it, but they're searching in vain because they're searching for something that this world cannot give them. Only Jesus can give the peace of God. And peace has nothing to do with your natural surroundings. And, you know, I, I have, I hear a lot of people, you know, praying for world peace. You know, hey, dear Lord, just bring peace to this world. We pray for all nations to come into unity. Just world peace. And I'm like, that is absolutely the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Because, listen, it's never going to happen. That's a wasted prayer, man. Save your breath. It's not going to happen. And you're like, well, that sounds mean and that sounds terrible. No. Jesus said, in fact, the closer we get to the end of time, the more turmoil there's going to be. And so I can't, you know, I can't uh, uh, control what's going to happen in all these other countries and, and pray for them to just all of a sudden, you know, drop their weapons and get along and, and you know, rainbows and ponies. and Oh, we never saw it before. We should all just coexist. Now I get it. That's not ever going to happen. But what is going to happen is I'm going to have the peace of God no matter what's going on in this world. My children, my wife, we're going to have the peace of God because I can control that. And I can choose to make the decision for me and my house that we're going to serve the Lord. And that's guaranteed peace. That's not guaranteed there's never any trouble anymore, but that is guaranteed peace when I serve Jesus because he said, I'm going to leave you with a gift, peace of mind and peace for your heart. And this is something that the world can't give you. And as I said earlier, there is nothing in this world that is worth more than having the peace and the presence of God in your life. And so, listen, this world itself, it doesn't know what peace is and this world will never have peace. Only individuals that choose to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and submit their lives to him. Those are the people that will have peace. Even if things are going bad around them, they still have the peace of God. Because peace is an inward condition, not an outward condition. And that's our trouble. We focus on this outside world and we don't realize that the inside world, the spiritual world, is more real than the things that we can see. Right? God, I've never seen, have you ever seen God? Show of hands, who's seen God? No, not one hand. I've never seen God, but I am convinced that he is more real than the people sitting in front of me that I can see. Why? Well, for one, I believe his word, and two, he's done more for me than any person that I've ever laid my eyes on. God healed me when people couldn't, when doctors couldn't, Jesus could. When people couldn't bring me peace, Jesus did. When people couldn't give me the joy I was looking for, Jesus did. He's done more for me, though I've never seen him, than any person that my eyes have ever seen. I believe that he's real. And I believe that the unseen is more greater and powerful than the things that we do see because Jesus is real. And so let's look at this verse here. John chapter 16, verse 33. John chapter 16 and verse 33. Who's here to get some peace tonight? Give me a piece of that peace. I want some of that. Give me some peace. John 16 verse 33. And again, this is Jesus himself speaking. John 16 verse 33. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Where are we going to get peace? 
in Jesus. Are you going to get peace by making more money? No. You're going to get peace by, you know, finding the boy or girl of your dreams. No. Are you going to get peace and, and searching for it, for it for years and years and years? No. Jesus said, in me, you can have some peace. You can have peace. He said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but that's the good news. But. Take heart because I have overcome the world. That's good news right there. Wouldn't it be bad if Jesus just ended that sentence right there? Here on earth you have many trials and sorrows. The end. What? Man, that stinks. I gotta wait till I get to heaven to have any peace? No. He said, take heart. I've overcome the world. You don't have to live in hell on earth until you get to heaven. You can have peace even in this world, even in this life. But the only way to get there is through Jesus. He said, in me, you can have peace. Yes, there will be trials. Yes, there will be sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. That's the best news I've heard in a really long time. Jesus has overcome the world. So think of it this way. You could picture whatever the problem is that you're facing right now. Whatever it is that's coming up against you right now, and if fear is trying to hit you, if depression and sorrow and anxiety is coming against you, you can look that trouble right in the eye and say, I'm not afraid of you anymore because Jesus has overcome you. You're a problem that's in this world, so that means Jesus has already overcome you. I'm not afraid of you anymore. I'm ready for this fight. And you can fight the good fight of faith when you have the truth of John 16:33 in your life. When you have the truth that is found in John 16:33, you can fight the good fight of faith that we're told to fight. You can you can move forward without fear holding you back. And I thank God that he has overcome the world and that he's given us his peace. And so whatever and I I mean, this this is stating the obvious. I get this. But sometimes we overlook the obvious. Whatever your problem is, Jesus is the answer. No matter what it is, if it's a health problem, a money problem, a marriage problem, a child problem, a job problem, whatever it is, Jesus is is the answer. And I've got really great news for you. You could write this down in James chapter 1. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God and he'll tell you. It says he'll give you his wisdom. And I find so many times we lack wisdom. Has anyone here ever lacked wisdom? A lot of you lack wisdom right now because you're not raising your hands and that's not very smart. You've lacked wisdom. There we go. Don't be a fool. Some of, now some of you, you need to get up and do the wave because I, hey, you, you really like, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You, yeah. So, but truthfully, Jesus said, if you like wisdom, you know, you ask of God who gives to all men liberally. And so that means he loves to give us wisdom. But I see so many people, they're banging their head against rock. Man, what should I do in this situation? They're asking their friends, man, you got any good advice on this? Hey, do you know what I should do? And I mean, and, and they haven't even asked God yet. They're asking their friends what they should do. And they have not asked God Almighty. Am I the only one that sees something really wrong with this picture? You're asking your friends who are in the same boat as you. And then, and then finally it, it gets to the place where you're like, well, I guess I could ask God now. Maybe I should. I, I don't know. Like, really? He's like your last resort? 
to ask him. And he even tells you in his word that he loves to give his children wisdom. It says he won't resent you asking. He'll be glad that you asked him and he'll tell you what to do. And isn't it nice having a God that can tell you what to do? Because, you know, he has a much higher viewpoint than what you have. You know what I mean? If I'm in an airplane, you know, well, I've, let's say it like this. You know, I've ridden in semis. When I'm in a semi, I can see a lot further up the road than I can when I'm in a little car, right? And then when I'm in an airplane, I can see a whole lot further up the road than when I'm even in a semi, okay? Now think about it this way. You're down here on earth level, trapped in earth time. God is up in heaven who knows no time. He can see things a thousand years from now, and you can't even see one minute from now. You have no idea what I'm about to do in the next minute. I promise it's good, but but you have, you have no idea. You can't see five seconds from now, and Jesus already knows what you're going to eat for lunch next Thursday. He knows what's going to happen at work tomorrow morning, and you don't even know. Why would you not ask him? Why would we not go to him and say, Jesus, what should I do in this situation? Do you think he's going to say, man, figure it out for yourself. you got a brain. I gave you that much. Figure it out, man. No, he's going to give you wisdom. And he's given you the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says in John 16, John 14, that the spirit of truth, he will, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. And he will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit if, if, you're, if you're born of the Spirit, you're born again Christian, you've got the Spirit of God living in you. He will tell you about things in your future. Isn't that pretty cool? Do you think there's a lot of people in this world that would like to have that type of thing? Yeah, I know a lot of people that would like to have that type of thing, but they can't because they're not submitted to God. You only get the gifts of God by being submitted to God. And Jesus said, yeah, in this world, there will be trials, there will be some sorrows, but don't be afraid, man, because I've already overcome the world. You can have peace even in the storms and even in the trials. So number one, the world cannot give you peace. So please, for the love of God, quit trying to get it from them. Quit getting wisdom. Man, we could go on for that for another minute. But, but someone obviously needs to hear this. Quit trying to get wisdom from the world and from people that aren't even Christians. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, or sitteth in the way of sinners, or joins in with, with scorners. Listen to me. You have no business getting life advice from somebody that's not even a Christian. I don't care who you are. I wouldn't ask an unsaved person for life advice for anything. I won't get financial advice from the unsaved, because they'll probably tell me to quit tithing. They'll probably tell me to quit giving so much to the missionaries. Well, here's your problem. You're giving this much amount to missionaries, man. You need to cut that out. Listen, I'm not going to do it. That's my source. If I cut off my giving, then that cuts off my life source, man. My, my, my livelihood is not dependent upon the church's giving. It's dependent upon my giving. You know what I mean? That's, that's how I live is by my giving, not by what people you know give to the church. And so, yeah, an, an unsaved person, they would look at, at my finances and say, well, you're giving 10% of everything you own to the church. And another such and such percent to missionaries and the, the Barstow Pregnancy Center. You're crazy, man. You've got to cut that stuff out or you're just not going to make it. Listen, ungodly advice can absolutely shipwreck your life and bring you the exact opposite of peace. You want to talk about depression? Go get relationship advice from some loser that's not even saved. Dear God. That'll screw you up worse than anything in this world. So anyway, let's get to point number two. Peace. Peace, peace, peace. Number two. 
The world can't give peace, number one. But number two, you need peace for your soul. Jesus promised peace for your soul. Now, a lot of people think that your spirit and your soul are the same thing. They are not. And so a lot of people say, well, that his soul's in heaven now. Well, that, I mean, I get what you're saying, but no, that's not true. Our spirit either goes to heaven or hell. A human being is made up of three parts. Why is that? Well, because God is three parts. We're made in the image of God, Genesis 1:26, And so obviously God would make us a three-part being. God is spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And and so he's the Holy Trinity, but you yourself are a Trinity. You're not the Holy Trinity, but you are a Trinity. You're made of spirit, soul, and body. Look at much of the letters that Paul wrote, much of the epistles. He would close them out saying, And I pray to God that your spirit, your soul, and your body would be preserved blameless until the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul broke down the human being into three parts all over the New Testament. And then Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it divides between soul and spirit. Okay, so have we proven that point? That, that your soul and your spirit are not the same thing. Your spirit goes to heaven or goes to hell when you die. Your body stays on this earth. And your soul, that is what we call your mind, will, and emotions. And that's the biggest battle that we usually face in this world. Because when you're born again, Jesus washed your spirit. He, uh, he renewed your spirit, but then he tells us, you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he said, I'll take care of your spirit, I'll renew your spirit, but you're responsible for renewing your soul. And that's hard, because your soul consists of your emotions, and your emotions are a hard thing to tame. A lot harder for some people than others. But your emotions, they play tricks on you, man. They're up and down all over the place. Your mind is a battlefield every day. Thoughts come that are contrary to the Word of God, and then that's when it's up to you to use the Word of God. Ephesians 6 tells us that you've got the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's the weapon that He's given you. And so, when thoughts come to your mind, when there's a battle going on for your soul, listen, how do you fight it? With the Word of God. You answer those unholy thoughts with the Word of God. That's why you need to know the Word of God. That's why you need to dig into the Scriptures. Because if something's coming against your finances and all day long, we're not, no, there's no way. This is it. We're going under. And if you're, if you're receiving those thoughts all day long, man, you are losing the soul battle pretty quick. You're still going to heaven. Your spirit's renewed and born again. Hallelujah. But listen, you're losing the soul battle, and that's miserable. That stinks to lose the soul battle. But when you know the word of God and thoughts come against you saying, you're going broke, you're going down. You can say, man, no, I'm not. Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Amen. And so when you, you know, what we just looked at, the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. I live under the blessing, devil. And so I, I resist you in the name of Jesus. I bind you. I rebuke you. Take a hike. Get out of here. But if you don't know any scriptures, I don't know how you're going to win your battles. I really don't know. You can pray and beg for God's mercy and grace and you'll get a little to rain down. But listen to me. The best thing is when you get the word of God in your heart. And then in your mouth, because a Christian that's got it in here and then gets it coming out of their mouth. Oh, my gosh, they are a danger to the devil. 
when you know to speak the word of God. That's how you became born again, isn't it? Romans 10, 9 and 10. You, can, you believed in your heart and then you said with your mouth. Do you realize that that's the formula for winning your battles from there on out? Believing the word of God in your heart and then speaking it out of your mouth. You get that? You know, I mean, I'm serious. I've proved it. Mark 11, 23 says, 11, 22 and 23 says, have faith in God, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall, not, and shall believe in his heart, and shall not doubt, uh, he shall have those things whatsoever he saith. Listen to me. It tells us right there. You believe it in the heart, you say it with the mouth, and it happens. And that's how you get saved. You believed in your heart, you said with your mouth, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And so, Jesus wants you to have peace for your soul. And that's what he said in John 14, 27. I've given you a a peace of mind, which would be your soul, and peace of heart, which would be your spirit. And so you've got to get the revelation that this is what Jesus wants for you. And so I want to quickly look tonight at the story of Joseph. Man, Wednesday nights, we just, um, we're on this time, man, so I've got to keep it moving here. But um, let's look at Genesis chapter 39, because I want to show you the story of a man named Joseph. Who's ready to look at Joseph? Jose! Hey, see what I did right there? Yeah. All right. Genesis 39. Um, now, let's catch you up on the story here. I know you're probably familiar with it. But Joseph receives a bunch of promises from God. He starts having these dreams. His brothers are going to bow down to him. They're going to have to come to him for help. And so like any good young brother, he goes and tells his big brothers, hey, you're going to bow down to me someday. And then he's alarmed when they're really ticked off that he said this to them. Because big brothers do not like to be told what to do by little brothers. I found this out. I have... I have a lot of older brothers. I can't, I don't know how many right now. I forget, but I have a lot of them. I think I've got three or four. Anyway, so lots of older brothers and they don't like it when you come and say, Hey man, I'm going to be a lot more successful than you guys. You're pretty much going to have to bow down to me someday and come to me to get your goods, but just want to give you a heads up. All right. Hold on. Whoop. No, they get super mad. They're ticked off. And so his brothers, you know, the story, um, they, they, they beat him up, throw him down into a pit. And then they're like, Hey man, we're stupid. We can make money off of this. So they pull him out and they sell him into slavery. He goes to Egypt. We all know this. And then um, and he's bought by a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar is his new owner. But let's look at Genesis chapter 39, verses 2 through 5. Genesis, oh, I should turn there. Genesis 39, verses 2 through 5. All right. So it says, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. And so Joseph is a slave, but he's extremely successful because the Lord is with him and makes him successful at everything that he does. And in the midst of slavery, Joseph has the peace of God. Why? Because peace doesn't depend on your surroundings. Peace depends on your heart. Amen? And so here he is. He's being successful. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. I've never heard of a slave being in charge of everything that the master owns. That's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty successful person right there. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake, not Potiphar's sake, for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. And so Joseph is in a bad situation, but the bad situation is not inside of him. It's around him, but it didn't get in him. You know what I mean? 
And that's what we've got to learn, that we may be surrounded by bad. Just don't let the bad get in here, and then you'll be okay. You'll have the peace of God. But a lot of us, we get about this much bad, and we're like, no, God, no, why? And, you know, and we, we just let bad, like, consume us from the inside out. And we're a depressed mess when we got something, I mean, this big compared to what Joseph was going through. And so, as you know, things are going great. Joseph's in charge of everything. He's managing the entire estate of this rich guy. But then uh, Joseph couldn't help it, but he was extremely handsome. Very good-looking young man, according to Scripture. It says he was handsome. And so Potiphar's wife says, you know what? Uh, I want some Joseph. <laughs> so she, she, comes, she comes on, like, hey, Joseph, uh, you know, we don't want to go into detail. But anyway, she comes on to Joseph. He says, no way, Jose. That's his name. All right. And and so she gets mad. She accuses them of wrongdoing. And then Joseph gets thrown into prison. And so Joseph's gone from being the favorite son, living the good life, to being thrown into a pit, sold as a slave. And now he's thrown into prison. So, so far, if there's anybody in this world that I could say would have the right to be slightly sad, maybe a smidge depressed. Joseph qualifies if we have a qualification list. He makes that list. Okay, he, he, he qualifies for depression. But look at this. Look what happens in prison. Genesis 39, look at verse 21. Genesis 39, look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. Everywhere Joseph goes, you see the phrase, but the Lord was with Joseph there. So the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. How is that the exact same thing that happened to him in slavery happened when he was in prison? No matter where this guy goes, he rises to the top and they put him in charge of everything. Why? I know why. Because he had the peace of God. There is not one instance, not one recording in this whole story. I've looked and checked. There is not one time recorded where Joseph got mad and blamed God. Not one time where Joseph said, why, God, this isn't fair. I don't deserve this. Why me? I don't deserve this. Not one time he kept his peace through all these bad things and everywhere he went. He rose to the top. Have you ever heard of one prisoner being in charge of the prison? I mean, I'm not super familiar with the criminal justice system, but I do know this. You don't usually put one, you know, any of my guys, you know, Jess, did they ever do that when you were in there? No. See, there we go. They, they, never. You don't put one of the prisoners in charge of the other prisoners. But they did this because Joseph had the favor of God and he had the peace of God. Verse 23 says, the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Now, who in here thinks that God liked Joseph more than he likes you? Let's get real here. Does, does anyone? Okay, good. Because, no, he didn't. God has no favorites. We've got a whole slew of New Testament verse. I know some of you were convinced. So you may go into depression now because you found out you're not God's favorite. You are not because God has no favorites. He loves us all the same. And if God could cause Joseph to rise to the top every time they pushed him down, could he do it for you? Could Listen, could God do the same thing for you that he did for Joseph? Could he? I mean, theoretically, yes, absolutely. 
Because, number one, God has no favorites. And number two, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13a. He doesn't change. If God did that back then, he can still do it today. And so Joseph always rose to the top because he never let the bad surroundings get into his spirit. He guarded his spirit. And the book of Proverbs says to guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. And I know a lot of people that have not guarded their hearts. They haven't done it. And they've let things get a hold of their heart. And whatever controls your heart will control your life. If bitterness controls your heart, you'll make your decisions based upon bitterness. If greed controls your heart, you will make your decisions based upon greed. If revenge, if anything, but listen to this. If Jesus controls your heart... You will make your decisions based upon what will please Jesus. You'll say, should I take this job? Is, is this going to please Jesus or should I not? Should, should, I, should I make this move? Should I do this? I don't know. What do you think, Jesus? When Jesus controls your heart, you go to him first. He's not your last result. You're not your last resort. When Jesus controls you, it determines the course of your life. It's true. And so that brings us to point number three. Jesus left us... Peace for your spirit, because your soul and your spirit are two separate things. And John fourteen twenty seven, the first verse we went to said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind, which would be your soul and peace of heart. And everywhere you look in the Bible, heart refers to your spirit. Amen. You, you, it says you got to believe with your heart. Does that mean your blood pump? Your, the organ in your chest? No. You can't believe God without any more. You can believe Him with your ear or your toe. You no, know, that's talking about your spirit. You've got to believe Him with all your spirit. And say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And so when He said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and peace of heart, that means He's leaving you peace for your spirit. And having peace on the inside is the most beautiful gift that Jesus could have left us. Salvation, number one. But for me, a close second in this world is having the peace of God in my heart and in my mind. And Philippians 4, 6, and 7 tells us about that. He says, it says he leaves you a, a, a peace that surpasses all understanding. It says it will guard, again, your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Um, but we're going to have to move down here. I'm going to show you something in Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Romans 8, verse 6. And so, who is thankful that Jesus left us with the gift of peace? Oh man, I am so thankful. Because when you've got the peace of God, you can be going through the absolute worst situation of your life. And somehow, you're okay. People say, I don't know how she's doing it. I don't know how. Maybe he's just not smart enough to be sad. I don't know. Maybe he's too dumb to care. But I... Call it what you want, but listen, the peace of God will bring you through things that nothing in this world can bring you through. And so, your spirit is the main part of your being. We already explained that you're a three-part being, and the main part of that being, your spirit. And most people, they just this is what trips them up, because you can't see your spirit, and so you think that your skin is the real you. Your skin is not the real you. On the inside of you, your spirit is the truest you that there is. Because that's what goes to heaven with Jesus. But Romans 8, verse 6, in the New King James Version. I'm going to flip over to that New King James. It says, For to be carnally minded is death, 
But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded is life and it's peace. This means that you're letting your spirit control your soul at this point. When you're spiritually minded, you're letting your spirit control your mind. You're letting your spirit control your soul. And what does it say that brings you? Life and peace. And if there are two things that I am especially fond of, it is life and it is peace. I love those things. They're the best. I love life and I love peace. And it says, if I'm spiritually minded, I get life and peace. And so what does carnal mean? What does it mean to be carnally minded? Well, carnal means simply of the flesh. And so most people, they are, they're of the flesh. You know, they, they just think about things that will make them happy in this world. They think about things that will please them and bring them happiness in this world. They're carnally minded. That's why they watch stupid, bad movies and ignore the bad scenes and cuss words in them. Amen? Or oh me. Right? You know, think about that. When you, when you get spiritually minded, I'm running out of time. I'm going to slow down here. But when you get spiritually minded, it changes everything about you, man. It'll change what you watch on TV. When I decided to quit being a carnal Christian and be a spiritual Christian, man, I quit watching most of the stuff that I watched. And I didn't even watch super bad things, but just things like that. I mean, you know, probably most people laugh and say, oh, that's not that bad. But for me, it is. I don't need to be seeing stuff with cussing in it. That's not good, man. You think that is that lifting me up and just building up my soul and just making me think about the things of God? No, that's tearing me down, man. Any of that stuff. I mean, just the junk that we watch that makes you carnally minded. And, and when we wonder, why don't I have any of this peace you're talking about? Why don't I have the peace of God? Well, are you doing anything at all to cultivate the presence of God in your life? Anything? You know, we're not, we're not judging, so don't, let's not get snowflake here, but let's, let's get real for a minute, okay? Let's get real. Are you doing anything to cultivate the presence of God in your life? Those things would include reading your Bible. Not being mean, I'm being serious. Reading your Bible. That brings the presence of God in your life. Yet, I would say a lot of Christians don't read their Bible every day and then wonder why they don't have the peace of God. Well, that's one way to get it right there. Okay, in fact, Psalm 119, let's turn there real quick as I'm continuing. Psalm 119. Um, reading the Bible, man, cutting out the things that you watch and listen to, because I know even you listen to like sports radio all day long. I mean, I'm not against, you know, whatever, but, but I've just found, does that bring the peace of God to your life? It really doesn't. I'm not, I'm not making you feel bad about the finals. Okay. I get, I get it. I'm all there. I get it. I get it. But I'm just saying, you know, the things that we do all day long, I know people that, man, they'll listen all day long to the radio or to their, their favorite music. And, 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 you know, fine. Maybe it's not even bad stuff, but for real, is it bringing the peace of God to your life? Probably not. And I'm, I'm, I don't know about you. I mean, you live your life. I'll live mine, but I'll say this. I'm not willing to live this life without the peace of God. I'm not, I'm, that's off the table. I'm not willing to live in this world without having the peace of God. Whatever it takes to cultivate the peace and presence of God in my life, I will do. And those things, uh, are, he adds no sorrow with it. That's all I can say. There's never a time that I read my Bible and say, man, I really wish I hadn't done that right now. Why did I do that? Oh, I regret. No, never a time, man. Never. I get more peace when I read the Bible. I get more peace when I listen to worship music. I get more peace when I watch godly things on TV and not bad things. I get more peace when I bring God my tithe. 
I get a lot of peace out of that. I get more peace when I come to church. I, 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 I'm, you, you do you, but listen, I, did the, I get more peace out of these things. And so I'm going to do what it takes to get the peace of God. Psalm 119, verse 165, New King James Version, it says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Now, the law here is referring to the word of God. Okay, King David didn't have a, you know, a leather bound King James Bible to open up, but he had well, at that time the law. The New Testament was even written. But he said, great peace have those who love your law. Or we would say, great peace have those who love your word. I don't know about you, man, but I can use even more word than what I'm getting now. Anybody that are, I mean, are you anyone totally satisfied with the amount of the word that you get every day? I always want more. And I know this much. That even if I lay other things down, even if I say no to other things, but I make time for the word of God, I'm going to have peace. I'd rather be late. I'd rather miss this, miss that, take a lesser job, take a lesser this or that to have the peace of God and make time for the word of God. Absolutely. Every time, because none of those other things can get me peace. And so to break it all down tonight is this. Okay, John 14, 27, Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind. And peace of heart. And when we break that down, he's saying, I'm leaving you peace for your soul and peace for your spirit. And there's nothing in this world that can buy that. There's nothing in this world that is more precious than having the peace of God. And so if you want to start doing things that are going to cultivate the peace of God in your life. And those are things I just mentioned, but especially reading the word of God. Amen. All right. We're going to have to stop right there. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.